Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sidious Mag Podcast. I'm Chris Chavez, and this is my show where I chat with some of the biggest names on the track, on the roads, within the coaching ranks, and across the running industry. Our guests sit down and open up in-depth to share their experiences, brilliant insights, and vivid snapshots from their professional and personal accomplishments in the sport. The presenting sponsor of the Sidious Mag Podcast is Olipop, healthy meets delicious. We've been looking for a drink sponsor for a while, and when we were introduced to Olipop, we were blown away. I was first drawn to the cans when I was shopping around at Whole Foods. Olipop is a new kind of soda. They combine prebiotics, plant fibers, and botanical extracts to support your digestive health with 9 grams of fiber, just 2 to 5 grams of sugar, and 45 calories or less in each can. The taste is fantastic, and you don't even realize how good it is for your gut health. It's free of artificial flavors, colors, preservatives, and sweeteners. We'll be sipping it on all of our shows, and we invite you to crack open and cheers an Olipop with us. Visit drinkolipop.com, it's spelled O-L-I-P-O-P, to learn more. Sidious Mag Podcast listeners get 25% off non-subscription orders by using code Sidious25 at checkout. You can also pick them up at a store. They're available at Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, Target, Walmart, Publix, H-E-B. Visit drinkolipop.com for more information and use code Sidious25 for your listener discount. My guest for this episode is Cam Levins. He just smashed the Canadian record in the marathon for the second year in a row, clocking in at an astounding 2.05.36 at the Tokyo Marathon. And get this, that time also broke the North American record that has stood since 2002. But it's not just the numbers that are impressive. Cam's journey to get there is equally inspiring. At 33 years old, Cam is still pushing himself to new limits now under the guidance of coach Jim Finlayson. We explore that relationship, how they connected. We also talk about his training regimen and going back to triples and double threshold training, of course. We dive into his mindset, self-belief, and what drives him to keep pushing himself to be the best that he can be. Also, if Cam could get into that 205 range, he shares his thoughts on what it's going to take to get an American at that level. And of course, last but not least, Cam shares what race is coming up next. So without further ado, here is Cam Levins. All right, and now we welcome back Cam Levins to the Sidious Mag podcast. Last time we got the chance to chat, we were in the Sidious Mag backyard in Eugene, Oregon, and you had just come off a fourth place finish at the World Championships Marathon. And right after that race, I think you called it like the race of your life. But this weekend at the or last weekend at the Tokyo Marathon, two hundred five thirty six, has that kind of changed? Was was this the race of your life? Yeah, I've, uh, you know, I've seen that quoted a lot of times since then. And I have thought about that as well. I'm like, you know, I don't think that's going to be the race of my life. Um, but certainly that was a big turning point, I think, in my career, Eugene, last year. And uh, things have only gotten better since then. The fourth place, which, you know, maybe stung immediately after the race, just being so close to the medals. But at what point did you mentally kind of make that shift and be like, all right, you know, that that was really good. I was pretty happy with it right away, yeah. <laughs> honestly. Um, I mean, like, yeah, I think more after the fact, there was some disappointment of being like, well, I was really, you know, I was as close as I could get to meddling. But um, I don't think there was anything else I could have done in that race to actually end up meddling um it was just you know a, 
a feeling of um, being let down with how close I I was. But um, no, I did everything I could. Obviously, it was a massive step forward, um, and I have no reason to be disappointed in it. Just always want more. Uh, I think that's very typical of most athletes. When we had you as a guest in our backyard, you were still unsponsored at the time, but that performance at Worlds did enough to land you a nice contract with with ASICs. How did that all come about? And, you know, I guess when, you know, athletes are unsponsored and doing this really for the love of the sport and the belief that they continue to get better. I mean, was that just a bit of a relief, you know, coming off your shoulders once you were able to put pen to paper again? Yeah, um, I mean, I spent... 2017 unsponsored as well so it wasn't exactly a new feeling for me to not be sponsored and you know financially we were in a good enough position where we didn't have to stress too much on that side of it um but yeah i mean obviously uh it feels good to have a company behind you and to feel like i'm contributing um to you know our family in general um uh, and yeah i mean asics that pretty much started or we pretty much started talks right after worlds um <laughs> in fact i talked to them basically at their spot in eugene i had driven up back home and then the next day my agent calls me back and is like uh can you come back down they want to <laughs> chat with you um in person and so i was like oh well i guess i'm going right back down again to eugene um so yeah, it's uh, been something that's developed from there. I was I actually didn't really use their shoes a lot growing up. At that time, it just like wasn't really. I, I found their shoes to be a little bit too thin for me at that time. But they've changed so much since then. It's been like a cool experience to start trying their different shoes and gear. And after a couple of weeks of trying them, after Worlds, um, I found that I really liked them and. They were the right fit for me. And uh, yeah, I've been racing in the Metaspeed Sky Plus, and uh, it seems like a great shoe, <laughs> if that's not obvious. Yeah. So you're one of those athletes that I feel like can speak to just sort of the arms race that these shoe companies got into, you know, having run for, for Nike for a period of time, just kind of at the beginning of when the Super Shoes era was taking place, running for Hoka, and then, you know, uh, when you were unsponsored, having the liberty to choose whatever footwear you wanted. And so now we're at this point where all these different brands have their, you know, second or third version of super shoes. And so do you feel like we've sort of hit that equilibrium right now where it's sort of like, oh yeah, I mean, for a while it was everyone trying to catch up to Nike, but you know, Asics is having a pretty strong showing as well on the roads. Yeah. I, uh, I was thinking about that the other day that, um, you know, signing with any shoe company, I think you just want to at least have kind of a fair playing field between athletes. And it does seem like it's gotten to that point where every company is kind of figuring out uh, how to make these shoes and whether it's kind of in its own way or not, um, you know, finding a way to be competitive with each other. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to not feel like you're locked into one shoe or nothing if you want to be competitive with the whole world mm -hmm. so then after you sign this contract you go you know take a break of course after the marathon but 
take us through, I guess, like the fall and like how you started to set, you know, this plan in motion for you to run the Canadian record in the half marathon and marathon in this, in this buildup. Um, so we were kind of aiming at a fast half last fall in Valencia. Um, and I had a good buildup for that. Um, but things didn't really come together quite how we thought they were at the race. I mean, like it was still a minute PR at that time, but it was still kind of a step behind how my marathon had been in Eugene. Um, but we were able to take some things away from that and kind of make more adjustments again coming into this build. And right away in, with that half in Vancouver, it was like, oh yeah, this is, this is working well um, with just like how good and controlled it felt running, you know, almost 60 minutes for a half. Um, gave me a lot of confidence going into Tokyo here as well. And I've been trying to look at marathons um, in the regard of like, what do I need to do between each of them to make sure I'm ready to perform my best instead of just you know, rushing to the next marathon, I want to make sure I progress well between them. Um, and so, yeah, we felt like trying to get my half faster was uh, a really good step in, um, yeah, the road to improving my marathon time. And, you know, it paid dividends, obviously. <laughs> How did this partnership with you and Jim Finlayson uh, come, come about? Because it's like, I guess for me, like I knew, if, uh, yes, he's got his accomplishments, like, you know, in Canadian running, but I knew of him as the beer mile guy for, for Canada. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I knew of Jim growing up, he was a very strong runner and then masters runner. Um, he was kind of like a legend in BC. Um, and so I honestly didn't know he was a coach until maybe a couple months before we actually started our athlete coach relationship in, it was November of 2019. Um, and he, I was just, well, I was talking to another one of his athletes, uh, Emily Setlack, who's also a marathoner. And um, she just discussed her improvements basically under him. And, uh, you know, when I was looking for coaches a couple months later, I remembered that conversation and um, talking to Trent Stellingworth, who's also out of Victoria, um, he recommended him as well. And just like we sort of tentatively started working together at that time. And I really, really liked the fit. And um, he's been just like fantastic as far as, you know, like he's got his own training plan he wants to put into motion but like any suggestions i have generally he's able to find ways to incorporate it in a way i mean i with a lot of interviews and a lot of discussion i feel like i get a lot of credit for what i'm doing in training but like he is putting it all together um and you know what i have are just thoughts and things that i think will work for me but you know he's he's the guy with the game plan and um i I'm very grateful what he's done with for me these last few years and how far I've come along. For Jim to buy into sort of your goals and views for for yourself, I mean, was that, do you think it was hard, I guess, like for him to be like, all right, like there's times when, you know, you've had your ups and downs and they've been very public. 
So for him to be like, all right, I'm rebuilding Cam Levins or like I'm, I I need to get him to that point that like, you know, he sees for himself and that a lot of people saw for you, you know, even way back to, to the college days, you know, what was that conversation like for him to also buy into, all right, we're working together. I don't feel like we talk about that sort of stuff too much. He's just been like trying to progress me as an athlete from wherever I've started from. And um, just like each build up, trying to get me a little bit better. And um, I think we both like knew the sort of potential that I have as an athlete. And there are certainly flashes of it in training, even from the beginning of when we worked together. Um, but I, I'm certain there is some surprise with how far I've come, even with what he thought was possible. Uh, and I mean, that only seems reasonable. There's not a lot of, well, yeah, there's not a lot of athletes that get into the sort of range where I'm starting to go right now. And, um, yeah, I think it's kind of like an exploratory journey for us both <laughs> in some regards, but you know, he, he knows what he's doing. Uh, but like, yeah, I mean, I, I am the first athlete that he's had that's, you know, gone this far. We talk a lot about high-level performance and training for running on the Sidious Mac podcast, but I want to take a second to talk to you about something equally important to performing your best, and that is recovery. This is something I've honed in on over the years, and I can't stress it enough. You got to take the time to recover. One simple recovery trick is to make sure that you're putting on the right footwear after your run because your feet have taken a beating, whether you're racing or you're training. And a brand that Kyle and I discovered last fall is Bellis Active Recovery Footwear. They're designed to specifically help you restore, revive, and re-energize before and after you train. Bellis has worked with competitive athletes and the medical industry to create what they call tri-motion underfoot technology that cushions, supports, and flexes in all the right spots. It is engineered to let your feet and legs heal faster after you train. These shoes are so lightweight. I've been wearing them for a while now, and I absolutely love them. I've got them on right now while I'm recording this podcast. I bring them with me to the track and to long runs. This spring, Bellis is launching two new styles to their recovery mix, the Hoya Slide with an adjustable upper for a custom fit that can also work with or without socks. They've also got the Skyline coming, which is a full lace-up recovery shoe that you can wear all day, every day, to and from the track. Velis Active Recovery Footwear should be in your footwear mix and part of your plan to perform and train at your best. Kyle and I can't wait to get our hands on these new styles. This new performance brand that everyone's talking about is bringing the absolute best and most technical recovery footwear on the market. Check out Velis Footwear at velisfootwear.com. That's spelled V-E-L-O-U-S footwear. And enjoy a 20% discount by entering code SIDIUSMAG20. Make sure that the capital letters are C and M in that code. Check them out, velisfootwear.com. The Sidious Mag Podcast is also brought to you by VDOT. VDOT is a coaching app based on the science of legendary coach Dr. Jack Daniels. VDOT offers access to the highest quality training for runners of all levels, right from any mobile device. With their new adaptive trainer, it's almost like having a private coach. The app leverages your feedback and fine-tunes your workouts. It delivers highly effective training with VDOT paces, and it also analyzes your GPS to ensure that you're training accurately. All of this is in an effort to get the max benefit at a lower risk of injury. 
VDOT is offering 20% off their adaptive trainer using code Sidious at checkout. Download VDOT in the App Store or visit VDOTO number two.com. I've also included that link in the show notes. Choose the adaptive trainer and enter code Sidious at checkout to save 20% off. Take your running to the next level this year with VDOT. The mileage is the thing that everyone just kind of, you know, you're the legend when it comes to that um, from, you know, the college days. What were we getting up to this time around? And I mean, in the conversations with Jim, like, how does he sort of manage that? Like, you obviously just you thrive off of heavy mileage, but he's incorporated, you know, you're posting videos in the gym as well. So there's other elements to the strength training that you've had to do for this, this particular marathon. I should say at the beginning of 2020, uh, 2022 is really when I started going back into the especially large mileage again. I mean, I, like you said, I've always been a pretty big mileage guy, um, but that's when I started doing triple run days again and ended up getting into this like 170 180 mile range a week and um we didn't really like set a number with it i was just like this is kind of how a few times a week getting three runs in a day like i find that to be really beneficial to me um and so like this is how much i think i need to do for each of these runs and uh, that's just kind of where i start ending up at mileage for the week and yeah, like you said, there's way, way more. I mean, I I think the mileage is important to me, but it's such like a small facet of everything else at this point. Um, like I just spend so much time training <laughs> at this point to like, uh, to be able to run how I am. So he, he started to leave the mileage up to me a little bit with how much I run each week he's mostly just like okay this day is easy by feel or if he really wants me to run a certain amount that day he'll tell me okay we're just doing a couple runs this day or whatever but yeah so i'm lifting a few times a week as well i'm uh, working with dave McHenry um here in portland and he's obviously been fantastic as well he's really improved my efficiency uh through the marathon and late in the race um, and that's, I mean, I don't think I've been quiet about how I feel. That's probably what's made the single biggest difference over these last couple of years for me is introducing weightlifting back in since the Olympics. And, um, it's been incredible how far we've been able to push that. Uh, we laugh sometimes at like thinking where I started out right after the Olympics, like a couple, couple months of just, you know, doing the best I could in the gym and just making no progress each time, just struggling through these weightlifting sessions. And uh, now I just like seem to be getting better each build with it. And uh, so that's been really great. And then, yeah, I mean like workouts across the board have gotten faster. We started introducing the double threshold uh, workouts as is everyone. Yeah, right. Uh, but... That's a trendy thing right now. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's obviously a component now too. Um, and getting a bit more onto some track work again, doing more 5k, 10k stuff is really beneficial too. I mean, I, with each build, we're trying to introduce new stuff and trying to adapt and improve. And I mean, we're going to be doing that again, even after this marathon, like it's, it's easy to 
well, I shouldn't say it's easy. Um, I feel like there's a lot to learn from each marathon. And like you do them so infrequently that each time you do it, it's like, oh, these are all the things we're maybe missing this time. Um, but you can't really find out without actually doing the race, it seems. Yeah, so in this case, 15 seconds away from the win, like this was one, I mean, Worlds uh, is another race, but you've put yourself sort of in this space now where you can actually go into these races thinking you can win and take that risk of going with the leaders. I mean, I read something where uh, it was an interview with you and, and Jim. It was just like, you have to take risks. So for you, what was the risk in Tokyo, I guess, right from the gun, just committing to the pace and going with, with the, the leaders. Cause that's a race that, you know, in the past has gone two Oh three and, and that'd be a huge PR for you, but you know, sizing up the field, you knew that you'd be within contention for the win this time around. Yeah. And I mean, I knew going into Tokyo that the pace was going to be going at about 64 30. Um, for, I mean, I didn't know exactly for how long, but that's kind of how, what I heard the pace was going to be. And that seemed reasonable to me based on how I'd been training. Uh, but once again, yeah, it's like a risk in that it's technically not something I've done before in a race, you know, even if I felt like I've been there a lot in training. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what I mean in there being an inherent risk each time because you only get to do these marathons a couple times a year and you have to decide whether am I going to play it safe and try and run around what my PR is. Do I want to try and take a step forward? Do I think I'm ready to? And um, yeah, I mean, I wanted to go for it. It's, a, it's kind of difficult for me to not step into a race and um, be fit and choose not to try and maximize the best I can do in that race. And uh, yeah, I think this really confirmed for me moving forward that, you know, I'm ready to compete with the top athletes of these majors. When did you get that back in terms of just, you know, thinking about the victories? Because like for a while, right, like when you weren't at your most fit and it was just about, all right, I got to hit this qualifying time or I know that when. I run my best, it'll fall, you know, thinking about just like the 10 K's on the track, like you ran your best. Some of the East Africans were still just way ahead and a good day for you may have been somewhere in the top 10, but now I guess you're thinking about the win. When did that, when did that come back? Eugene last yeah. year. I mean, cause going into that, once again, I knew I, uh, at least it really seemed like I'd taken a step forward. Um, but I had no idea how that like or where that would put me in a marathon and uh, Eugene was a really good um, way to sort of find that out because it started out at a slower pace and kind of really drew in over the course of the race. And so there wasn't any like idea of how fast I needed to start or not. It was just go in and race and see how I can do. Um, and obviously I competed really well and took a big step forward and um, I walked away from it and went like, you don't just take fourth at the world championships randomly. Uh, <laughs> like I, uh, you know, I think I can be one of the best in the world if we continue to improve here. And uh, that's 
what the goal basically has become. I mean, it was, it was a dream and now it's a goal. So. Was it eight years ago, right? Like the injury to your foot. Is that the closest that, you know, you've come to leaving and like, you know, calling it quits and, but it's crazy because you, you believe you could be best in the world and that all could have been sidetracked and, and done eight years ago. Yeah. I, um, I had surgery on the foot in 2016 and missed the Olympics and, and, you know, that's, yeah, certainly probably the lowest point of my career. And, um, I mean, even at that time, I remember meeting with my surgeon a couple of months afterwards and was telling him like, Oh yeah, like I'm back running like a little bit, you know, it's, it's like a work in progress. And, uh, he was on Nike campus with, um, I believe it was other medical professionals, like just showing them around. And they were just like shocked that I was able to run. And I was like, is this not something that I was supposed to be able to do at all? And um, I mean, honestly, like even now there's still soreness flocking around on that foot and ankle, but he did such a great job that I'm able to run without, I mean, it feels its best when I'm running, which is kind of the, you know, the best I could ask for. Um, but yeah, certainly that was a very slow progress or process coming back from that. And there was a lot of opportunity to just go, is this worth it? Can I get back to a competitive level? Um, and I mean, it definitely changed my mindset uh, that I was just um, grateful to be running. And the idea of being competitive was really far off. And now I think I've gotten back to the mindset of like, I. I want to be competitive. This is like really why I want to keep running, competing. And obviously I'm grateful that I can run, but that's, that's not enough for me anymore. You told I run Canada, no matter what's going on, whether things are going well or going poorly, you can't lose your belief in yourself and you can't lose it in races. You need to believe in yourself at all times. And when we talked a little bit about like that risk taking in a marathon and in a marathon in particular, the blow up can be ugly. Like you learned in, Tokyo the, the yeah. first time around uh so at what point do you sort of in the race the, the you know two weeks ago did you feel like all right like this is going great there is no blow up this it hurts but I believe that this is going to be a special day you think going into the race I think you'd done a couple of interviews where you're like something special is going to happen and I I just didn't know how did you define special going into it and then did that change in the middle of the race um, no, I had a pretty clear idea of what I wanted to get out of the race from the moment it started. I mean, I was being, I mean, obviously I, I had said beforehand about how fast I wanted to go, but I didn't want to come right out and say like, you know, I'm going into this racing to try and win, uh, <laughs> you know, which, because I mean, that's often what my mindset is to myself. Um, so for me, yeah, for me, special was, you know, improving and hopefully getting that area record. I had that on my mind going in as well, um, getting into that 205 mid range. These last couple marathons in general, I feel like such a completely different athlete that like both times, both Eugene and now again, I got through halfway and went like, 
I'm going to be fine, you know, and which is like obviously a long way still to go in a marathon, but I'm getting a pretty good feel for it now. Uh, and I just feel like it's such an entirely different athlete entering the last 10K, 12K of these races. I'm like, I, I get there and I feel, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm time, time to start racing. I've just been kind of hanging out until now. Um, and before I just felt like so beat up and it seemed like the last 10 or 12K was just going to be a crapshoot of whether it was going to go well or bad. And I, it doesn't seem like that anymore. It seems like I have the, the strength to you know, handle myself kind of regardless of how the race goes up to that point. There was the one little clip that went viral afterwards where it's just like you're reuniting with your wife and you just said, like, <laughs> not bad. I would say not bad. Yeah, I, well, part of that is, like I was saying, I had an idea of what the area record was going in, but I actually didn't know exactly what the time was. And I thought I had missed it. I was like, ah, you know, I was I was close. Like, I definitely got the Canadian record. But I'm like, I don't think I quite got the area record. And um I definitely wanted that. And so I'm like, uh, you know, like got, got close, but, uh, in drug testing later, um, we were like, well, I guess we should look up and see what it is. Like, I don't think I got it, but like, we should see how close I was. And then saw us a couple seconds under and we're like, Holy cow, we did it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where my mindset was with that. Yeah. Uh, I guess like I did see something, I think online where it was like, how should Americans feel about losing the North American record? And I feel like everyone is very happy for you because of, you know, knowing your story, the redemption arc that that has come along with it. And also your, your uh, Americans adopted you, I guess, when, uh, you were running at Southern Utah. So I think everyone is, is pretty happy for you. Um, Thank it's you. just been really great to see. Um, so Cam, I guess a couple fun questions that were submitted in the Sidious Mag uh, group chat. Uh, this one comes in from Scott Fobble, who also hosts a podcast on our, our network. Does he think it's a coincidence that he has run so well immediately after a move into the same neighborhood as him? Have you crossed paths with Scott in the neighborhood? Yeah, um, I have. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> um, beginning of January, I uh, ran past him. I did not put it together that it was him at first, just because I'm, I'm like, what is he doing here? But he was like, hey, Cam, yeah. so ran by and I'm like, oh, hi. And then, yeah, later messaged him on Instagram being like, sorry, I didn't know that was you, but like, let me know if you want to run together sometime. Really cool to have him around. What I guess like Fobble's one of those guys who's like thrived in, you know, setting like Boston. And, you know, of course, it'd be nice to see him run on a flat, fast course to see how well he could do. And the U.S. is having its moment, of course, with someone like Connor Mance running well. I guess like North America has what is the step forward that you think we're taking? And you're a big part of that just sort of in you know, breaking into that 205, 206 range with the marathon, I guess, what has led to, to this moment? The shoes uh, of course, are the first thing I think a lot of people would bring up and like all the advances in training and technology. It's, it's a whole bunch of things. I feel like. Yeah. Um, I think, um, I think People are sort of understanding what it takes at this point to be really good in the marathon. And I mean, you know, looking at sub two tens just isn't really enough anymore. And um, obviously now with the Olympic standard being 
208.10. It's just becoming, at least I think, obvious to guys just what it needs to take if you want, you know, if you want hardware in the marathon. Uh, I, I think you need to get to mid 205 or, I mean, honestly, faster still. I mean, like the best guys in the world are, I mean, 203s is kind of commonplace now. Well, I shouldn't say commonplace, but you know what I mean? You see a lot of them now or even faster. Um, and yeah, it's just like, it's not enough. We need to, uh, marathoners are just really incredible athletes at this yeah. point, able, able to do some pretty amazing things in races. Um, seeing Tamrat Polo last year at Eugene just completely demolish us over the last 10k i mean like he was running i think like 58 minutes something half marathon pace over the last 10 kilometers and it's just like i felt like i had made such a big step forward in that point and i'm like he's on such an entirely different level than me um and i mean like that really puts it in perspective and it's like you know this guy is still losing to kipchoge <laughs> and uh, yeah, like it's it just yeah if if you want to be the best in the world or one of the best in the world in the marathon, it, it takes a lot. So. so snagging this time and the Olympic qualifying mark, uh, I guess your roadmap to Paris is a little bit clearer now, right? Because is it Athletics Canada? Like the selection process is still one discretionary spot. And then I think like the winner of the trials, have they announced sort of like how that's going to work? And so you're you're in a good spot, but like, I know you probably have a couple of races between now and then, but when you talk about hardware, like yeah, there, there's a little part of you that has the thought of Paris has already seeped into your head. Yes, of course. I, I look at each marathon and each kind of like goal for the season as like another step towards hopefully being you know, as ready as I can be in Paris, you know, I want to try and continue to improve and continue to move forward bit by bit. Cause I mean, even as well as I'm running, I still know I need to get that much better. I think to, you know, have a really solid shot at meddling. Um, and I'm planning on the Budapest world championships now. Um, it's my next race and I hope, you know, to be in a medal position there. And I think that would be another step forward and, hopefully show whether training changes are working or not. And um, I'm fortunate with this race now um, at Tokyo, putting me in such a good position for qualifying for Paris that, you know, there's no real stress in, you know, trying things and, uh, you know, doing what I can between now and Paris to be the best athlete I can be without, um, know being concerned of chasing a time for qualification still mm -hmm. um uh, so yeah I, I think uh paris is ultimately the goal but you know i want to do the best everything i can between now and then and you know, hopefully be the best athlete in my career at the paris olympics as uh as long as you know i stay healthy and everything continues to go well that's supposed to be a really hilly course, right? And so, like, uh, this yeah. this goes well for your your, your cross country background. <laughs> yes, I, I've done a decent amount of it, um, but I mean, I have never done a marathon that's nearly that hilly. And so, I uh, you know, there's a lot of 
preparation, I think, um, taking that into account, you know, in a training build too. And I have time to figure that out. So the decision to do the world championships in, in Budapest, what goes into something like that, where I guess like, yeah, you could get a nice payday at a fall marathon. And I guess it's not out of the question, maybe like something like New York, which is a bit further down, but you know, it, it, it is cool to hear, you know, a top star like you committing to something where there is zero money in, in appearance fee to, to go and compete. So um, what, why is it just, you know, another chance to, for that sort of elusive medal so far, and then, you know, practicing against guys who will likely be at the Paris uh, Olympics? Yeah, I mean, there's both of those things, obviously. I mean, taking fourth at Eugene, I, I really want some hardware. I don't have any hardware from the World Championships. I, I really, really want that badly at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, part of it is also continuing to learn how to run in a really congested pack of athletes um, that you often don't really have to deal with at some of these um, majors. Like usually you get split up pretty well and you're with just sort of a few athletes at a time. I mean, Tokyo had incredible depth. So once again, I felt like I was packed in, um, but the Olympics at Tokyo was huge shock to me running in a group of athletes. I didn't feel comfortable at all um, trying to, you know, like kind of felt like I was fighting for position a lot of the time and uh, the bottle stations were just a mess. And um, going into Eugene last year, I, uh, you know, being able to take that away from the Olympics, I felt like I was able to handle myself better. And now with Tokyo, it was like, I felt entirely comfortable, but um, you know, every opportunity I can take to continue to improve um, running in that situation, I think is going to benefit me. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I want to see how I, I stack up basically with some of those guys that, I think we'll be at the Olympics and, um, you know, more championship running Olympics that's, or more championship running experienced, I think is huge because that's, that's how the Olympics are going to run. That's not just going to be a time trial. There's no settling into pace. It's going to be all, all over the place. Well, Cam, well, this is great to catch up and, and hear more about the Tokyo marathon and, and how it all went. And, you know, I speak for a lot of people in saying that it is so good to see you kind of back to, you know, this level, you know, we have been fans for a really long time now. And so, you know, for the longest time when people have said Cam Lemons is going to be great at the marathon someday, we've finally gotten those, those moments. And I'm excited for uh, you as you continue to, you know, push it and, and see what, what those, uh, those limits are for you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. It's been really fun last couple of marathons. So hopefully they continue to be like that. <laughs>